0: Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim Ben. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Bursting Balloons and Tyranny in Traffic, this Tuesday episode of Right Spokane Perspective, and today... We're going to have the wonderful voice telling us the inspiration mike normally always did the inspiration on this show and today we're going to have shannon do the inspiration because we have lacked a female voice on right spokane perspective and so we're going to ha- see how the inspiration and the voice leads us
1: into the program we're going to go ahead and lead on in talking about being hard pressed Many years ago, a friend told me how intimidated she was while trying to cross a street where several roads intersected. I'd never seen anything like this. The rules I'd been taught for crossing the street seemed ineffective. I was so frightened that I'd stand on the corner, wait for the bus, and ask the bus driver if he'd please allow me to ride to the other side of the street. It would take a long time before I successfully learned to navigate this intersection both as a pedestrian and later as a driver. As complicated as a dangerous traffic intersection can be, navigating life's complexities can be even more menacing. Although the psalmist's specific situation in Psalms 118 is uncertain, we know it was difficult and just right for prayer. When hard-pressed, I cried to the Lord, the psalmist explained, and his confidence in God was unmistakable. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. The Lord is with me. He is my helper. It's not unusual to be fearful when we need to change jobs or schools or housing or radio hosts. Anxieties arise when health declines, relationships change, or dollars disappear. But these challenges need to be interpreted not as abandonment by God, but as growing. When hard-pressed, may we find ourselves prayerfully pressing into his presence. You know the drill, folks. Gracious Father, please help us to trust you when we're hard-pressed. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Well, being hard-pressed, we're definitely being hard-pressed by China. And, of course, we've got to burst balloons. Not a big topic that we want to carry on too much about. There's a lot of media out there. You know, actually, just doing a Google search, you can find tens of thousands of articles already written on the uh, balloon debacle. And, of course, I think that, you know, looking at this, There's all sorts of different conspiracy theories about the balloon. Another thing we got to cover today is traffic, things at the local level that we can actually have an impact on with our our city councils, our state legislature. But this balloon thing just tells us how incompetent government can be and how big of a threat other governments can be to us as a country uh, and the citizens. And so, you know, I I saw an article actually brought up on Epic Times that 90 percent of the u s could die from Chinese EMP space balloon attack, and of course, this goes back to studies that were done with EMPs and the basic complete destruction of all of our infrastructure when you're talking about the power grid. you know of course, your your water service, municipal water service, pumps water using that power grid. So essentially you have urban areas that will have no water, sewers will back up, the, just all sorts of devastation, stores will be out of food within days.
1: So I just have, I have one question about this whole balloon topic, because it took people in Montana looking up in the sky and reporting it in order for it to be found. We have the people in the airlines, we have airlines, we have pilots, we have planes, we have all these different people logging what's going on in the air up there and they didn't catch it?
0: Well, there's, you know, there's obviously radar and the balloons. The nice thing about them is that they move so slowly that they don't trip the radar. And that's, that's something that's occurred. Uh, But of course, we're not protecting our own border in many ways, you know, not just China with their balloons. And, uh, And of course, who knows what is going to come out with the balloon? Do they find out what kind of surveillance they had? Was it just a weather balloon that got out of control? You know, there's satellites, of course, a satellite that's owned by China can read your license plate and see the keyhole in your trunk lid. I just figured we were
1: a little more picky about our airspace.
0: Well, we should be pickier about our our airspace. You know, China's not going to let the United States government start buying farmland in China. China, most countries, Russia wouldn't let us start buying up corporate interests in their country. You know, maybe the vice president's son could work that that out or the former vice president's son already worked that out. Uh, Currently the president's son, maybe they could make some deals, but it's more deals about monetary transactions, not about actually owning pieces of a country. And so we've got, you know, China buying up farmland It's something that a lot of people are paying attention to. Of course, Congress has set up a committee having to do with uh, threats coming from China. But it's not just
1: the farmland. It is national parks. It is national places on U.S. soil.
0: Well, they've bought up what they can and and being a more free market as we try to uh, pretend we are here in the United States, we're letting these foreign interests buy up, you know, land and we're not the only place where these balloons have been seen. I think there was one over Italy or something the other day,
1: Latin America,
0: Latin America. So, you know, China's really growing in power. Representative uh, Mary Miller from, I believe she's from Illinois. Illinois, she's from Illinois basically wanting to put a moratorium on foreign land purchases uh, and Chinese companies' efforts to buy up U.S. farmland. And it should be bipartisan as far as she's concerned. And I think it should be. Obviously, if other countries, which other countries shouldn't, if I was a citizen of another country, I wouldn't want the U.S. buying up a bunch of land in my country because you want your country to be sound and solid, especially if you're going to call yourself a democracy. You don't want those votes watered down by foreign interests that are coming in. No
1: pun intended.
0: That's right, yeah. No pun intended. So this is going to be an ongoing discussion. I think that we should all tell our representatives that we want, you know, we want to buy American. Uh, Obviously, most of the stuff that we have made in this country is, you know, we have it going abroad. We buy it here, but most everything you see on the shelves is made somewhere else, mostly China. And so that's a national security issue in a lot of people's minds, just because of how that could affect our economy if we were in an economic war with China, which of course this balloon incident, some people are thinking that that is going to start an economic war or some other kind of conflict with China. But the way I see it, we've been at war with China for decades. And I remember when Walmart had nothing but American made goods in it. Now we've got nothing but Chinese goods in most of your department stores. You know, there is some other countries that, that offer some products to us domestically here, but we're certainly not sending as much trade overseas i think the the last number i saw was like a 500 billion dollar trade surplus with china and you start looking at the rest of these countries that uh, we have these you know bad trade agreements and obviously we, we have embargoes on some countries and tariffs but we don't have even trade by any means with these other countries so what are your thoughts about buying stuff in china i know you do a lot of shopping shannon
1: i prefer made in america
0: have you found anything recently
1: i did actually you know i was at north 40 north 40 is one of my favorite stores and i was looking for um some things for our chickens and i actually looked at the label to make sure that the little nesting the next net the nesting box fillers that I was buying were made in America specifically. Now that actually
0: goes to the agricultural uh, trade issue. And we talk about uh, China buying up American farmland and American egg because you were buying things for not agriculture, but for egg. eggs. So for egg the chickens, a- egg beds. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this situation with with China where they're buying up a lot of this interest. But if you go to your local farm and feed store, that's probably the place where you're going to find the most American-made goods is your local farm store. And it's obvious that China knows that. They've already basically decimated U.S. consumer goods as far as manufacturing in most sectors already. So now they're after the farm land, the farm, farm community yep. and once they can get a hold of those assets then they can start producing those products and when you go to your local feed store 10 years from now if we don't do something that nesting bed for your chickens is not going to be made in the United States anymore
1: but we've already seen them go after the farm um, the farm and egg areas of life that's why we have to send chicken over to China and then it comes back before it gets to the shelves on Walmart.
0: Well, and that actually is a problem where our own government is, uh, I think, colluding with China. And in, in my view that we're having, you know, the number one pork producer in the United States is China. And we have China, the, the Department of Agriculture and USDA said we can go ahead and allow... China to produce and process chickens so the chickens might be raised in the United States or maybe they're raised in international waters and then uh, a China-owned corporation in international waters is uh, processing the chicken and then sending it back and who knows what they're sending it back with I don't know that our food safety is much better than air traffic control when it comes to balloons but the last time you went to the store were you did you take any free right hand turns on red in yes Okay, so we, we're we pretty happy with those free ride-on reds when we get them, especially during high times of traffic or even low times of traffic. There's nobody coming. The light's red. We can take a ride. We don't have to sit there and waste fuel in our vehicle, you know, to wait for the, the light to turn. It's safe. There's no pedestrians, no traffic coming. Well, there's a bill in the Washington State Legislature that wants to put yellow light on red turn lights, on right turns on red only, right? So uh, traffic fatalities in Washington are, and I'm quoting this from the spokesman review, traffic fatalities in Washington are at a three decade high. In 2022, 745 people died in crashes. Lawmakers this year are considering a slew of traffic safety legislation to bring this number down to target zero. The right on red bill was considered to reduce collisions and close and close calls between cars and pedestrians or cyclists. And, and the interesting thing about this to me is so if they're, if they're doing a slew of things to try to curb fatalities in Washington, I think the article said, uh, was it 745 people in fatalities last year?
1: 745 people died in crashes.
0: Okay, so how many of them were because of someone taking a free ride on red? And in reading that in article in its entirety, there was nothing about fatalities having to do with free right on red turns. So this is where the government, of course, we want the legislature to act and make necessary changes in the law for public safety. But something like this, now you're talking about backing up traffic. You're talking about slowing people down on their commutes to work. You're talking about a situation where you have emergency vehicles that often utilize people's cognizance of a free ride on red. And and when traffic stops, all the people in the right-hand lane, they're they're merging. They're getting out of the way of emergency vehicles. Well, if we take that away from the American psyche, specifically here in Washington, is it going to reduce fatalities? I don't really see that that singular law is going to reduce fatalities. In fact, I think that Other laws that we have in place, uh, you know, as far as enforcing criminal behavior and high-speed chases, uh, the ability for police to pursue criminals who are selling drugs, who drink and drive. I think there was an article that you were talking to me about before the show where there was over 3,500 people that did not pull over when police tried to pull them over.
1: Yeah, 3,500. That was in the um, bill from uh, Mark Schessler.
0: So, Senator Mark Schessler from Eastern Washington, here uh, out of the Ellensburg area, I believe he is, has a bill that would like to continue to have pursuit in Washington. And it's getting shot down in the Senate and not getting the hearings so that we can put that law back into place where police can, you know, pursue reasonably suspects of criminal behavior.
1: Right. It was basically to roll back the legislature the bill that the legislature passed back in 2021 that um, called them off of those pursuits.
0: Right. So we need to have law enforcement be able to do their job. I think the fatalities in Washington state being at a three decade high as mentioned in that article, uh, basically supporting a bill to stop the free right hand on reds, fatalities are going to be reduced by enforcing laws that we don't enforce now. The, The laws were not currently enforcing they don't of course, have the
1: ability to enforce
0: right and how many of those 3500 people that decided not to pull over by police that they were you know maybe speeding and they were also under the influence of some kind of alcohol or drug narcotic And they didn't want to pull over because they knew they'd get busted. So those people down the road are those people causing fatalities and injuries because they continue that behavior. Well, we've got a couple more articles to talk about having to do with traffic safety and some bills in Washington state. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. We sincerely thank Mike Fagan for 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the Right Spokane Perspective, and we wish you well in your sabbatical and anticipate hearing from you again in the future. Listeners, it's because of your support we continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620, Spokane wa 99com Two zero seven. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back to this episode of Right Spokane Perspective. We're bursting balloons and talking about tyranny in traffic this Tuesday. So, obviously, in the first half, talking about the legislation in Washington State, there are folks out there that would like to, you know, continue changing legislation where they say that is going to reduce traffic deaths. Now, getting rid of the free ride on red, I don't know that it's actually going to save a whole lot of lives because typically a free ride on red, you come to a full stop, you look to the left, you look to the right, you look back to the left and then you go. So most people are looking for pedestrians. They're looking for other vehicles and they're following the law. The only reason why someone would die in a situation of a free ride on red is that someone was not paying attention. They weren't following the law.
1: And in here, it specifically says traffic fatalities in Washington are at a three decade high. In 2022, 745 people died in crashes. Well, how many of that was from drunk driving? How many of that was from running a red light, period? Not a right hand turn on red, but just running a red light, period. We've got, with the legalization of marijuana, we have people that may not be driving fast, but they're also not paying attention while they're driving. They're not staying in their lanes. And then people trying to avoid other accidents end up in the accidents.
0: Well, we have a couple articles from just this last week's newspaper that kind of Delve into a few of those issues. And one of them has to do with this article out of the Spokesman Review talking about a state bill that would lower the drunk driving limit. Okay. And we're talking about your alcohol content, and that's the blood alcohol concentration. And they want to change the limit from 0.08% to 0.05%. And uh, you remember that accident that happened. I was on my way through Moses Lake and there was a fatality and I was held up for hours. Yeah, on the and unfortunately, the, the gal had had died. And it was because of, uh, I think it was uh, Mr. Garcia, if I remember the name mm-hmm. correctly. And that one's so vivid to me because it changed my day. I And I saw the wreckage going by, and it was just a sad situation where someone was uh, heavily intoxicated and under the influence of marijuana marijuana and possibly other drugs, and was driving the wrong way on the freeway. Now, most of the fatality accidents that I see and hear about are not free ride on reds. They have to do with people driving at high speeds, way beyond the speed limit. They're already breaking the law most often, most commonly. And when they are intoxicated, it's not at the legal limit. It's not you know just at above the legal limit. It's way over the legal limit. So the state legislature is looking at trying to reduce it to 0.05 from from 0.08. And a lot of this is just the legislature acting like they're trying to do something to solve the problem. But as we know, people aren't pulling over for the police, thousands of them now uh, a year. And we also know that people aren't following the law because there's not a whole lot of enforcement, how many traffic officers do we have in the city of Spokane? Not nearly as many as we had a decade or two decades ago. So when you talk about a three decade high, we're not pulling people over for obvious, obvious problems. I see the state patrol letting people drive at high rates of speed and they don't even try to pull them over. And they're doing 10, 20, 30 miles. Well, not 30. I've seen, seen them get to 30 mile an hour, but they're letting them go 85 miles an hour on the freeway and nothing happens. Well, where's most of your traffic fatalities happening? At high rates of speed, not in town. You know, not necessarily at crosswalks. But uh, I mean, some of them do. But I think that if you want to change laws, this is where our state legislature needs to look at. Okay, we're changing laws. When you look at data and you want to make the most significant change for the positive, you don't want to change a whole bunch of data points because then when you go back and you research what you did, how, how did you change the outcome? If you change too many things all at once, you won't know very well which one had the best impact. So it's best to approach them more cautiously. I think maybe enforcing the laws that we currently have already would probably be the best solution. And of course, the city of Spokane is looking at enforcing those laws, but they want to do it with more cameras and digital technology like the speed cameras that they've increased around schools and parks. Yeah. But that doesn't come with an officer. And if the person's drinking and driving or something else, all they're getting is a speeding ticket. So there wasn't actual police enforcement looking at curbing future Fatality accidents. It's just a revenue program.
1: Our city's good at that.
0: Yeah, good at revenue programs. So if there's more on traffic this week. I think this is traffic week in the news. Traffic some of it. Week. Some of it has to do with uh, maybe it's traffic month with the uh, with the legislature as well. They've got. A number of things that they're they're doing uh, having to do with traffic but then there's people pushing them to do even more things you know and this was an opinion piece in the newspaper and oftentimes in the local newspaper when there's an opinion piece what they're looking at doing is changing the law and this is a this is something that's been talked about uh, a number of times and it's repealing jaywalking laws in interest of equity Okay, so this,
1: In the interest of equity?
0: Yeah, it's, it's, so the article jaywalking starts out this way. Jaywalking
1: isn't, isn't equal.
0: A, a, as a black man living in Spokane, I know that walking while black and crossing the street while black can be challenging and even dangerous. So, of course, this is looking more at the race issue, jaywalking, but in my opinion, as a, just a driver in the city of Spokane, I'm not a fan of people that jaywalk when there's traffic. At this point in time, we've got people on all sorts of drugs that just walk out in front of drivers. How many traffic fatalities in Washington state? And I haven't found this stat anywhere. How many traffic fatalities in Washington state occurred because people are on fentanyl and they're on heroin and maybe a cocktail of alcohol and marijuana, and they just walk out in the street and know. they get hit by a car. But I so, wonder
1: if that's part of the 745 people that died.
0: Well, and I, I would think that I've, we've heard, we've heard about close calls. I know that I've had my own incidences where had I not been paying attention, the person that just walked out, not at a crosswalk, just walked out jaywalking, obviously I would have hit him. If I didn't get into the other lane or hit the brakes, I think we've all run into that, especially if you travel through downtown downtown a whole lot. And we know that those accidents have occurred. We don't, I don't have any data on how many of the fatalities were with vehicles and pedestrians where the pedestrians were jaywalking. And that's when we start getting into all this racial equity stuff. And I understand that policing, they, they wanna look at the numbers and targeting uh, African-Americans or black people, especially in inner cities, that can be a discussion. But if you change laws using that discussion, if you repeal the jaywalking law, what is the protection for a commuter that's just trying to get their kids to school and go to work when someone just walks out in front of them and and they hit them? Of course, they've got that issue they have to deal with their whole life. They see somebody bounce off their car and it severely injures them or kills them. They have to live with the guilt of that. But now, are they still... In a criminal territory, even though the accident was caused by the person that just walked out in front of them between parked cars in the middle of the street?
1: That's a good question.
0: So we're going to shift liability to commuters of every race, color, creed, religion, background, whatever, so that people are not targeted somewhat specifically racially, according to this opinion writer, uh, for jaywalking? Uh, You know, so we have to be careful what our legislature does with these laws. So I would definitely, folks, if you're interested in traffic controls, the issue of jaywalking or free right on red turns, I would contact your legislators and uh, go look at some of these bills having to do with traffic safety. You can look them up by looking up topics and Talk to your legislators or comment directly on the bills at uh, www.leg.wa.gov. That's L-E-G dot,
1: G-O-V. dot G-O-V.
0: How many times have you been on that site, Shannon? Oh
1: my goodness, I can't even count.
0: So interestingly enough, I, I, this doesn't necessarily tie to traffic, but it kind of does because we all have to commute to and from work. And the Washington legislature is considering a bill that would prevent pre-employment cannabis testing. Now, this has been an issue for a long time, and I've sat at legislative roundtable meetings uh, with business leaders talking about how they're going to continue to have a workforce. The state law made marijuana legal, especially in the construction trades and labor trades. They say, well, how can we maintain a workforce when we're disqualifying them from employment? And a lot of times what they've been doing is... Uh, avoiding it actually in pre-employment in some of these trades. But when an incident occurs, it's their insurance that requires them to do drug testing. Right. When we talk about traffic fatalities having to do uh, with Washington state law, we can go and look at the state of Colorado. When they legalized marijuana, they had a massive increase of fatalities and traffic accidents of people that were under the influence of, of marijuana. Now, this issue is, you know, touch and go because we just talked about Washington State trying to change the law having to do with the percentage of alcohol in someone's system, right? Correct. Their blood alcohol concentration. What about the cannabis concentration?
1: I still think it should, should be treated the same.
0: Well, except they don't have the testing mechanisms like they do with a breathalyzer test or a blood alcohol concentration test with a blood test. So when they're looking at concentration there's a number of pieces of science out there that they've been working on to try to figure this out because obviously alcohol leaves your system within 24 hours whereas cannabinoids cannabinoids, there you go cannabinoids THC can be in your system for upwards of months sometimes 30 days, some people it's not that long, depends on a lot of different factors, whether it's your metabolism, your, your dietary intake, whether, you know, how much water you drink, all of those things. Obviously, if there's a person that they are uh, doing very strong marijuana products and then they head off to work, that could be a DUI that can be causing an accident. The data shows us that, well, in Washington state, since the marijuana law is passed, there has been an increase in accidents. Now, I think you went to high school. Back then, marijuana (laughs) was illegal, right?
1: It was illegal, yeah.
0: Because it was illegal, typically people didn't want to carry it around because someone would smell it, they'd get caught by their teachers, things of that nature. Uh, People were more paranoid to drive when they were intoxicated by this. But now that it's legal, it's kind of a Uh, free-for-all.
1: A free-for-all. But under the influence is under the influence. And in the workplace, uh, depending on where you work, whether you're using machinery, whether you're driving heavy equipment, um, I really think that in in some industries, there should be a zero tolerance. Now, that's my opinion. Well, obviously, but- in the
0: industry I work in, we are, we're under federal law, and there are a lot of industries that are under federal law. So Washington state bill for preventing pre-employment cannabis testing wouldn't affect the laws, like with CDL drivers, uh, you know, people that operate certain kinds of, you know, pilots, things of that nature. But at the same time, I'm not time, quite sure
1: how I feel about your teacher, my child's teacher going to school under the influence of cannabis I, and teaching my child.
0: I would think there's a lot of teachers doing that at this point, but it, you know, because I the know likeliness of having an accident where they have to do a drug test is probably a lot less than in a construction industry. Obviously, it's a debate that's happening in the Washington legislature, and again, folks should contact their local representative to find out where they're at on this issue. Is there a bill number on there? and uh, actually, I did not see a bill number in here. I'll pass this over to you so you can take a look. That's one of the problems with some of the reporting is I'm not seeing a lot of bill numbers in the reporting. Maybe the legislatures told the local newspaper, "Hey, don't don't you know get us harassed <laughs> any more than we they need." They don't
1: want our comments. Uh,
0: they don't want the comments, but obviously. Reducing businesses' ability to screen employees is important. Now, obviously, if you're just standing in a hole digging trenches for sprinkler systems, but you start getting into operating heavy equipment and and operating, uh, you know, forklifts and things of that nature in industry and in warehouses, other people's safety could be at risk.
1: I think it could be at risk. Yeah.
0: So if you're an employer and you don't want to carry the liability because it's the it's the employer's insurance and their liability. Obviously, I've worked in different industries and I've known people that were marijuana users and I knew they were a marijuana user and they were operating equipment and I felt safe around them because it wasn't I I felt safe. But then there's other people that I knew in the workplace that I knew they were marijuana users because you could smell it on them like it was really strong and they could barely tell which direction they were supposed to be going that day throughout the workday. I wouldn't want them operating equipment around me. So we've got to leave some of this up to the employers and taking away their ability to use drug screening. We go down that road for pre-employment and then we start limiting it even further into employers' ability to employ. I don't know that the state wants to go too far because they're going to start getting to where employers will find many other reasons to not employ individuals. And then they'll just have to pass more laws. Anyways, we're out of time for today, folks. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Bye-bye.